0: forties and fifties is not too late either. It's never, ever, ever too late, but earlier the better.
1: And welcome to another episode of Get Your Fill, Financial Independence and Long Life, where we explore ways to achieve those two goals, and we invite folks on to help us. And before I introduce Rachel Burns, who is amazing and has, is going to be so fun, and you're going to love talking with her and hearing all the great tips that she has to share, I just want to welcome our most recent two countries. I'm excited that we are now in 40 countries, and the the most recent two to join us are Singapore and Colombia. So welcome to everybody in Singapore and Colombia and all the other places where you're listening. I'm really excited that you're here with us today. So Rachel Rachel Burns, who you are going to just adore, she is a certified financial planner who is just passionate about helping women to achieve financial independence after the loss of their partner. And that's very different kind of unique take on that she is the founder of true worth financial planning which offers fee only planning and we're going to talk a little bit about that and divorce financial analysis and investment management tailored to the unique needs of newly single women Um, before she founded true worth she spent 12 years advising affluent families under the top wealth management firms She is a CPA, I mean, a CFP, Certified Financial Planner, and a Certified Divorce Financial Analyst, and she has an MBA and a Master's in Personal Financial Planning. Rachel, thank you so much for being with us today. I'm really excited to hear from you. Thanks so much for having me. So tell us, Rachel, how this is quite a unique niche that you have. I've never spoken to anyone who has that exact niche. Can you... um, And tell me a little bit about your sort of your backstory, how you came to be in this in this uh, unique field.
0: Sure. So I
1: I knew fairly early on that I wanted to be
0: an advisor. And so pretty much right out of college, I got a job in the training program at a big wealth management firm um, just in time for 2008. So then immediately (laughs) after I started, the whole world collapsed and (laughs) it was a little... little rough to be starting out, but um, I stuck around. I spent several years at that firm, switched to another firm and joined this team that I ended up spending several years with. I had a couple of partners and um, that was going to be my long-term plan was to stay with this team. And we're more general financial advisors, financial planners. We didn't necessarily have much of a niche but um i always enjoyed working with women and i i particularly enjoyed working with women who had gone through a divorce or had had lost a spouse that was always kind of my natural niche where i really enjoyed working with them and i felt like they got the most value out of our relationship and it was just a very satisfying experience and so i kind of naturally gravitated that way um, and then Because of some events in my personal life, I had an even more of a connection with that group. And so I decided to focus only on that niche going forward. Um, Because once I went out on my own, I had the flexibility to work with whoever I want. And I knew exactly who I wanted to work with. And that was women who were going through a transition. And so that's
1: how I ended up with that niche. So, Rachel, why? you know there are a lot of people who offer basically free financial planning what's the advantage or what's the difference working with somebody who's going to charge you a fee for their services
0: so the way that financial professionals charge is very murky it's very confusing i am a financial professional and i still think it's confusing how all these <laughs> people charge fees because as a, if you if you are like okay i need some financial advice there's several different ways that you could pay for it. If you have a whole bunch of money, most likely an advisor out there is going to be happy to manage it for you and charge you a percentage of the amount of money that they manage for you. But you have to have enough money for it to be worth it for that financial advisor if if they're going to charge you 1% or 1.5% or whatever. It needs to be a, a certain amount of money before you're even on their radar. So for a lot of people, they're not in that position either they're younger they're earlier in their financial journey or maybe they're you know starting over in life and they don't qualify so to speak to work with these advisors that have these account minimums so the other way there's another way you can work with an advisor which is kind of the old 80s style broker way where you pay basically per transaction so you get you call someone get advice to buy something and you pay a commission based on that product, whether that product is stocks or an annuity or life insurance or whatever. Um, but the other way that you can, you can pay for advice is with a flat fee. And so I, that's primarily the way that I work with clients. So basically the flat fee covers a a stated service plan. So for, like I have a six-month package, for example, it entails so many meetings and it costs a flat amount. It doesn't matter if you have a million dollars, if you have zero dollars, if you have negative $100,000, it doesn't matter. You pay a flat fee to work with me and um, I don't get any more money by recommending you to do something specific. If I tell you, you should buy this mutual fund it doesn't make any difference to me. I mean, I care what they do, but it doesn't financially, it doesn't make any difference to me what they end up doing. So the advice that I give is not motivated by any financial gain on my part. And there are plenty of advisors who are compensated by commission that are not doing it for the wrong reasons. But when when you're just paying a flat fee for the advice, you really know that you're getting unbiased advice. And that's what I really like about that style. And that is definitely becoming more prevalent these days. It used to be kind of this new weird thing where the old school advisors were like, you do what? But now it's becoming a lot more common because I think it really makes sense to clients and it makes sense to advisors too. It's a good way to work
1: together. And also, I I feel like when I've had interactions with people in the past who work for a specific company, that's the product they want to sell you. And they don't even necessarily have the breadth of knowledge outside their own products to potentially give you unbiased advice. Yeah. So, you know, it's not even necessarily that they don't want to, it's that they've been trained in these specific things. And so, you know, when you have, when the only tool you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's all that they know in some, in some cases. Yeah. And. You know, I'm a real estate agent, so I always think that real estate is a good part of any solid financial plan. And there is no like, not to pick on Ameritrade, but you know, like there's no like American Express financial services person who's going to say, "Oh, why don't you buy some real estate?" <laughs> right? That's not yeah. part of the products suite that they offer. So,
0: well, they might try to steer you into like a a real estate investment trust. It's like a mutual fund version of real estate. Um, so they they technically could. Still make some money off of
1: that. <laughs> yeah, just I mean that's a good investment. Cares.
0: If someone recommends that to you, it's not because they're trying to. That's that's part of a, a good diversified financial situation.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> so, what do you do? You find that women have specific challenges being um, newly single. Do you think that they? I mean, I guess I'm thinking of the cliche that a lot of women are allowing their as partners to make a lot of the decisions for them, you know, for the household wealth and things. And is that what you're finding as well?
0: Yeah. It's, it's very common that it, well, in any relationship, it's common that there's a certain division of labor and it's like, okay, I'm going to handle this part and you do this part and you kind of split up the household tasks. And so managing the finances, usually one person takes that over and statistically, I mean, lately, it's it seems like you see more more of the men or whatever <laughs> that are that are taking over that role. I mean, it's it, that's certainly not always the case. but I, I do run into a lot of women who are coming out of a relationship or they're newly widowed or, or newly divorced, and they have not been managing their own finances since they've for since as long as they can remember, and it's not because they're not capable. It's just because that task was delegated to someone else and they haven't been worrying about it. And so they're totally out of touch and they don't know where they stand now. They don't know what the future looks like. It's really uh, it's really stressful and scary for them to be taking over their
1: own finances for the first time in such a long time. Yeah, definitely. And <clears throat> I mean, I'm thinking of, and this is not, I'm sure your clientele, but you know, my mom is in senior housing and there are situations like that where the the husband has died and the wife doesn't even know where the checkbook is, how to write a check. I mean, it's it's really extreme and that's, I don't know. It can be
0: really (laughs) scary because someone can pass away and they don't know where the money is. They don't know how to access it. They might not be able to access it if it's not titled properly. I've, I've had clients who came to me after someone had passed away and they're locked out of checking accounts and they're locked out. I mean, it's, it can be a huge mess and there's so much administrative work that has to be done in order to get that straightened out. And the average person, I mean, you can't expect the average person to know what to do in that situation.
1: Yeah. My dad passed in, in April and even though, for example, they had a joint credit card the credit card company wouldn't allow my mother to keep that card. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like, or, or accounts will get frozen or, I mean, there's all sorts of things
1: that can happen. Yeah. And there was like a credit, you know, cause it was one of these ones that earned points and they're like, Oh, sorry, you can't have the money. She's like, seriously, I want them. Like, well now account. what? <laughs> <You know? laughs> so they have
0: to add that to the list of things to do. It's like, well, I guess I got to go get a new credit card now while I'm grieving my spouse. It's like exactly. stuff you don't
1: want to have to worry about. Yeah, I know exactly and that's it you don't even know what you have to <clears throat> to do to prepare for all the I mean the things that she has encountered she's just been floored you yeah. know that that she just did not <clears throat> anticipate because everything was it was a joint account everything was together so why should we be having this situation why should I not be able to get car insurance anymore <laughs> like, well, what yeah. the heck is that about you know yeah yeah it's totally it, you shouldn't it's have totally told anyone <laughs> he died I know <laughs> What were the things that you found the most surprising when you, when you first started to really focus on this, um, in this niche, um, the thing that
0: I was pleasantly surprised about is, is once I had worked with someone and once I got them a good understanding of where they are and they understood that what their goals are and that they're on track with their goals the sense of relief that comes out of that. I, cause I, I don't know. I forget what it's like to be on the other end. And cause I, I, that's all I do is think about these charts and spreadsheets and stuff, but but <laughs> I forget the emotional result of having a plan like that. And I have just been so touched by the reactions and the responses I've gotten from people after working for them and to tell, for them to tell me, How differently they feel now as a result of, you know, having this financial understanding and how confident they are and how much more optimistic they are about life in general. It's like money is a really emotional, really important thing. Um, and it's when they're, when that stress has been removed or alleviated, at least it makes people really happy to have that off of their mental plate. And that's, that, that was um, a, a kind of a surprise. I wasn't expecting it to be su- such an emotional process.
1: Yeah. Are there, th- are there things that have surprised you from the perspective of that you just thought um, that were more like what my mom found that things were more complicated than she thought, or things were just not <clears throat> that companies, for example, this credit card company that would not allow her to keep her car. And there have been things like that where you kind of didn't realize that it was going to be such a, um, such a trial for people.
0: Yeah, there's, um, there's some extra complications with when someone passes away that I I had had experience with, but not to a certain, I mean, I've, I've I've worked in situations where there was no estate plan before and someone died unexpectedly and it was a huge mess. And, um, and then even people who have a plan, but maybe it's not totally updated or maybe it's not totally complete and the complications that can arise from that. I mean, it's, it, it's such a, it's such a, the consequence of not having a complete plan are so complicated and, and awful for family members. And it's like shocking because you think, oh, I have it together. I have this, you know, I have my stuff straightened out in case something happens, but Um, That's not always the case. You really have to be very thorough there.
1: Well, I think people think if they have a will that that's it, they're all set. Yeah, that's definitely not true.
0: (laughs) But a lot of people think that a ton of people think that, oh, I'm good. I have a will. It's like, that is just the beginning. And when people think of a trust, they think of trust fund, trust fund babies. They think of super wealthy people. And they're just like, no, that's not me. But, um, pretty much everyone should go meet with an estate planning attorney and have, you know, a will at an absolute minimum, but you also need, there's several other super basic things that you need to have in place. Even if you don't have a bunch of money, you don't need to have a bunch of money in order to need estate planning. Um, you, you need to plan for not just what happens to your stuff when you die, but you need to plan for what happens if you become disabled or if you, are unable to make decisions for yourself and make decisions about what happens to your kids. If you have young kids, it's like, there's, there's a lot of other scenarios that you have to think of.
1: So how does it work when someone first comes to meet with you? What's the first, how do you sort of get to the point where you understand everything that they are going to need? So the first step is we
0: identify their goals and we, we look at what exactly they want to accomplish in the short term, in the intermediate term, and then in the long term. And we get really specific about those goals. So goals like, oh, I want to be comfortable financially, or I want to be rich or whatever, that we we need it to be more specific than that. We need to have timeframes and dollar amounts and get really, really clear about what they want to achieve. Um, and once we know that, then we know what we're aiming for. We know what we're trying to build this plan for. So that's the first step. Um, and then we, we go about gathering the the data to find out exactly where they stand currently. You know, we, we look at all of their financial details, all their accounts, any debts that they owe, if they have student loans, a mortgage, if they have insurance policies, we look at estate planning documents. We just look at every single financial detail about someone and just so we can understand
1: where you are now so that we can figure out how to get you to where, you want to be. So that in itself, I imagine is a little bit uh, of a counseling or a coaching session, right. To, to get to that point, because when you, people say, oh, goals, you know, they, like you say, they just say, oh, I just want to make sure I have plenty of money, or I just don't want to ever have to, you know, be on welfare or something. It's like, that is not really gonna (laughs) help us narrow this down. (laughs) It means something different to every person. My idea
0: of being comfortable might be different than yours. Um, and we all have a totally different image in our mind of what retirement looks like or what, what our goals are. And it's hard to define those. Like when I think about my own goals, I've kind of have to force myself to do the same thing. It's like, well, well, when, when do I want to do this? And what is that going to cost? And what do I need to do to prepare for this? And you have to think about the specifics because otherwise you, you can't, make a plan to achieve something unless you know exactly where you're trying to land.
1: Yeah. What, what kind of tools do you help people to implement in order to meet these goals? What What's a common um, <clears throat> thing that someone might not likely have that then you would encourage them to, to get?
0: So um, I, I look at their spending if that's, and not everyone needs help in that area, but we'll, you know, we can look at some budgeting tools to kind of make sure that they're allocating their cash in a way that is allowing them to make progress towards their goals. Um, other tools that we look at, you know, some sometimes they need some element of protection. So we we, I, I might recommend you need to bump up your disability insurance policy through work, or you need to have a life insurance term policy for your kids. And if something happens to you, you know, when they're under 18, um, one of the tools is, is, are the estate planning documents that I seem to always talk about. Um, there, those are the specific things that need to be implemented in order to, to get them on track. So I try, I try to cover like all the different areas of their finances, or like, if they have debt, we'll come up with a specific plan to pay that down. So
1: ideally what, at what age would you want to start working with people? I would say, I mean, ideally
0: people would get this type of education when they're like teenagers, but (laughs) teenagers aren't usually really interested in talking about that. So I say I I feel like when someone's in their 30s or 40s, that's a really ideal time because when you meet with someone that early, there's so much time ahead of them to where if they're, you know, if they're really behind in some goal, there's so much time to get on track. You know, if I, if I meet with someone who is 63 and they're like, okay, I want to retire in two years, but I haven't saved any money. I'm like, There's only so much I can do. There's, I mean, I can help, but I can't, I can't, can't you know, we're going to have to. Yeah. So, um, certainly the earlier, the better, but I think by the time you're in your thirties, you usually know what you're doing in life enough to come up with a plan. If if I tried to do that with, I I mean, I guess everyone's different, but when I was in my twenties, I probably wouldn't have been able to come up with a very good plan. My plan would have been probably pretty silly, but, um, (laughs) Yeah. I think thirties, I think thirties is like perfect, but forties and fifties is not too late either. It's never, ever, ever too late, but earlier the better for sure.
1: And I think, you know, when you're in your thirties, you're not thinking about potentially losing a spouse, right? You're not, I mean, you might think, oh, I could maybe get divorced, but if you have a good relationship, you're not really thinking that that's on the horizon.
0: Right. Um, That's most people that's not even, a consideration, like what would happen if I am going to be alone? That's not even on their radar. And it really, not, not that I want to rain on everyone's parade all the time, but you really need to think about worst case scenarios because they can happen. And um, if you have a plan that allows for things, unexpected events, then you're going to be in much, much better shape no matter what happens to you. Yeah,
1: definitely. Do you think that it makes sense for people to have separate finances when they are a couple? I think
0: that is a personal decision and there, I think it totally depends on the couple. Um, And I know so, so many people who have things separate and that works really well for them. And I know so many people who have it combined and it works really well for them. It really just depends on what they're most comfortable with. And um, it depends on how they kind of communicate with each other about finances, but there's no, there's no
1: correct way to do it. It's just whatever works best for, for you. So would you, what kind of things would you suggest that people implement sort of right away so that they can, you know, not be, maybe not find, hopefully not find themselves in a situation where they trying to backpedal and, and, you know, figure out what to do now that someone's gone or that something's changed in their life. Like what to do before something happens. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I would say have a plan, have a plan that accounts for unexpected things happening. So really take a look at insurance policies and what would happen if something happened to one or something happened to the other or um looking at life insurance policies disability policies anything that covers if something goes wrong how you would what kind of financial situation you would be in as a result Um, and if you find that oh if you know something happened to me my spouse or my kids or whatever would be in a really bad financial situation. The things that you can do to fix that are probably really easy. I mean, like a term insurance policy is pretty inexpensive. A disability policy can be really inexpensive. So these are, you just have to think about the possible scenarios and just make sure that you're covered. And it's, um, it's not fun to think about. And it's kind, it can be kind of confusing if you're not familiar with that, World, but someone can help you with that. And you just don't have to worry about it. Like it's just something you don't have to think about again. You have it in place. You don't have to worry about it. You know, you review your situation every once in a while to make sure things still look good. But um, I think, I think insurance is so important. And, um, and, and the, the, again, the estate planning documents, that's all I talk about. But (laughs) having a plan for what happens to the people that you care about and you know, what happens to the, the legacy that you're leaving, I think it's just super important. And no matter what age you are, I don't care if you're 25, 35, 65, everyone needs to have that type of planning in place because anything can happen to anyone. I know that's really
1: doom and gloomy, <laughs> but it's <laughs> the truth. <laughs> so when you're talking about the estate planning documents, what kind, what specifically documents are you, do you want to see people have? Um, healthcare
0: directive. So expressing your wishes about your care that you receive. Some people have some specific wishes. Um, usually that comes into play when you're older. Um, like it's, it's probably if you're 30 years old, obviously you probably want to be resuscitated. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're older, you might have some some other something else in mind. Um, powers of attorney is super important. So appointing someone to be able to make financial decisions for you and medical decisions for you, if you're not able to make those decisions on your own. That's super important because if you get in a car wreck and you're in the hospital for a few weeks, um your bills still need to be paid, you still, I mean the world still keeps going around you and, and you you need someone to be able to step in and help you with that. And if that's not, if that person isn't identified in advance, it can be really confusing for your family members or whoever's trying to help. And they they probably can't step in and help with a lot of things. So having that person identified um, and, and you, it's called a power of attorney. There's one for financial, one for medical, having that is super important um, guardianship. If you have kids is like critical. If you, if you have, if the kid's other parent is in the picture, then it's, it might be obvious that the kid's just going to go live with their other parent. But if that's not the case, that's super important because maybe your idea is I want my kids to go live with my parents, but then they end up with some aunt and uncle that you would, that's not what you would have wanted. You have to put that stuff into writing and make it official. Um, It's just super, super
1: important. Now, how does an average person, how do average people use like a trust document?
0: So, um, anyone who owns a home if you own more than a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of stuff in general, you probably need a trust. And it, 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 it depends on the situation, but um, anything that's not in a retirement account, can if you don't have a trust, it'll go through the process of probate, which I've had a bunch of clients inherit things from someone that passed away that did not have a trust. And it takes like six months or a year before they can actually access the money. They have to spend several thousand dollars in court costs. It's, it's a giant mess. So um, like I live in California and well, you're in Boston. So I'm sure houses are super expensive out there too. But yeah. if you own a home in California, you, you need a trust. Like I'm sure you do. If you own, if you own anything, like it's just, it's, it's, you will save so much money and so much heartache by having this document in place beforehand. I mean, obviously if you're dead, it's not going to bother you too much, but like your heirs are going to inherit a big, expensive, annoying mess.
1: If, if you don't have these like kind of simple documents in place. Yeah. One thing that I didn't always realize was you know, that if someone, let's say somebody leaves you a house and you can't afford to make the mortgage payments, you just think, oh, well, they could sell the house, but you can't, right? You can't sell the house because it's still in probate and you can't sell an asset that isn't yours yet. So you can't make the mortgage payments. So you lose the house. Yeah. Or maybe it's you to have exactly. Or maybe it's not a good time to sell.
0: And maybe like there's all sorts of A house is not something you can just sell real quick. (laughs) Even best case scenario, it's going to take a while. So, yeah, it's you want you want to have plans for those types of things. Yeah,
1: yeah. Do you have a a sort of a story that makes you feel happy every time you think about it? A situation where you really were able to sort of like be the hero in in somebody's life? Um. Yeah.
0: So I'm actually working with someone now who. Uh, it was an unexpected loss of her spouse, and um, they're in a great financial situation. But because of the way things were structured, and the way that there it wasn't super clear, clearly spelled out, you know what's where, and she got locked out of her accounts. And you know, there's there's money there, but it's not accessible because you know, some of it's in retirement accounts that have, there's like a whole rollover process where they have to get rolled over into her name before she's able to access them. But even just like the checking accounts got frozen because those accounts happen to just be in the spouse's name, such a simple little administrative thing. And she doesn't have any cash and probate's going to take a, it's going to take probably several months still before There are, there are all sorts of other things that need to be dealt with. Like she still has to pay property taxes and she's still, there's all these costs associated with, you know, funerals and things like that. There's all these things that are happening and she can't, she can't take care of like the basics and she has no idea where the accounts are. It's, she's like looking through all these filing cabinets. It's just such, such a mess. She's so stressed out. And she's grieving the loss of her spouse, and she has this like administrative nightmare that she's in the middle of. And um, being able to take that big mess of papers and organize it, and, and okay, this is what we need to do to get money out of this one. This is what we need to do. With that is like, I, I can see the the before and after of, you know, the situation that she was, she was in. And then what happens once we get things straightened out, that's like, oh, this is exactly, this is exactly what I'm doing this for. This is the exact type, type of person who I love working with, who you can, you can just make their life so much better so quickly just by helping them with some, some kind of basic stuff. So that's a really gratifying experience for me.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. What kind of things do you suggest that people do today if they're in a relationship and they realize that they don't have a good handle on the whole financial aspect of it and they don't feel like they have any kind of a a plan? I would, uh, if if you're in a relationship,
0: I would get together with your person and just just communicate and be on the same page and Um, talk about what your goals are together. You know, make sure you're on the same page with that because sometimes people's goals are very different and that can be a problem, but talk about your goals as a couple, you know, financial goals, whatever goals and look at what you have going on. Make sure you understand the full picture, not just your contribution to it, but make sure that you understand both sides because that can be a really big surprise. There are so many people that have no idea what's going on with their partner's finances. And I'm just like, isn't that scary? Not knowing what's going on. Like what if they're like, what if they have a bunch of gambling debt or
1: something? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You hear those kinds of stories all the time.
0: (laughs) What's lurking in there. But um, yeah, just having a good idea of where you guys stand together is, is really important and just continuing to communicate about it and be on the same page. You will be in, much better shape than I would say a lot of, a lot of couples
1: out there. So how about, do you counsel people who are thinking that they might like to leave their spouse and they just want to make sure that they won't be destitute? Yes, I do. I get, I get a decent amount of of, uh,
0: calls from people in that situation. And um, some people, some people want to leave their spouse, but they fear that they can't because of the finances. And that is like, I'm like, Oh my gosh, don't stay with someone just because of the financial stuff. But, and I try to get them in a place where they feel like, okay, that's not, that's not the reason that I need to stay. Um, and I, I like to help them understand what their finances going forward would look like as a single person. You know, I can help them understand what, what the asset split might look like and what their income might look like and what changes they might need to make. And, um, there's a lot of misconceptions about what happens in, in divorce to, to the finances. And so some people, some people are like, oh, well, my spouse is the one with all the money. So he, you know, he or she would get all of it. And, uh, therefore I, I'm, I can't leave because I wouldn't get any of it. It's like, well, you were married for 30 years. I mean, <laughs> that's not really how that works. <laughs> so it's nice to, it's nice to like sounds kind of weird, but it's kind of nice to give someone like, Hey, you can leave your spouse if you, if you need to, that's, you know, finances is not the reason to, to stay, but um,
1: yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I, I'm thinking of a friend of mine who, you know, is not in a happy marriage and that's exactly her reason. Is she's thinking, well, if I leave, you know, I'm going to have to go back to You know, I lose my beautiful house and I'll have to live in in a crappy apartment. And, you know, I don't make enough to support myself in in, in this manner, you know, lose my friends and my health club membership and stuff. It's like, you know, is that really have to happen? You have to go live in the street. You know, I don't think so. Yeah. You just, you, you, I mean, it's
0: good. It's good to not make a big change without thinking about what things will look like on the other side. It's good to be thinking that, but it might be a much different situation than what you have envisioned. Like, yeah, there will be an adjustment. There might be some changes that you need to make. It might take a little bit of time to ramp up to like a, a lifestyle that's comparable to what you had before. But I mean, you
1: can definitely, you can definitely get there. There's hope. And in that situation where the, the woman is thinking that she does ultimately plan to leave the spouse, um, anything that they, that that person should be doing ahead of time to make sure that, you know, that they, I don't know. Cause you hear horror stories too, that, you know, the husband moved all his assets someplace and, yep. you know. Yeah. So I
0: don't encourage anything uh, sneaky, but I do encourage people to get a good idea of where you are financially as a couple, get, get an idea of where things are held, what things are worth, um get an idea get an idea of what the income looks like where the income's coming from ideally you get that information kind of organized before you make your intentions clear because once someone knows that divorce is on the horizon some people can start hiding things or stop cooperating or you know you want to you want to get that information while that information is still easily accessible and th- i don't think that's being sneaky that's just you just want to know where you are i mean that's that's totally reasonable but that's a really important thing to do because if you just pull the trigger and don't know where anything is and don't know i mean that you could be in for a really big shock cuz things might look a lot different than what you
1: thought yeah definitely and like you say, the person could have all these debts that you didn't even know about or whatever, you know, they could be <clears throat> doing something underhanded. <laughs> yep, exactly. What other kind of advice do you, you know, like the fundamental advice, anything that you think that people should all be doing just to make sure that they're financially healthy?
0: Um, I think I think always be learning and always be trying to, I wouldn't know. I, I would always try to be learning something new. Like there's so many podcasts and, and blogs and websites and stuff that like information I feel like is, is a lot more easily accessible than it used to be. And if you feel not so confident about your financial knowledge or your financial situation, like listen to some podcasts about budgeting or whatever area that you want to learn more about and just gathering little pieces of information here and there will make you feel so much more confident. And it's not a, I'm not saying go out and get a master's degree in finance, like just like gather some little tidbits and over time you will be able to weave those together and be like, "Oh, I kind of understand how mortgages work now or whatever." <laughs> it's like finance is complicated, but it's not that complicated and it's anyone can learn the basics that they need to feel confident about their financial future. That is attainable. And if you need some help, you can get someone to help help teach it to you or help show it to you or whatever, but you can you can be in charge of your own finances and feel good about it. I think everyone can achieve that at
1: some point. Yeah, definitely. So Rachel, what do you think, what do you wish I would have asked you? Is there anything that you really want to make sure you share with people that I didn't touch on? Um, you know, I, I alluded to something earlier and then kind of forgot to explain
0: myself. <laughs> so- <laughs> So when I was talking about why I got into the niche and I was like, oh, well, because of something that happened in my personal life. So there's a, there's a reason why I have this affinity for women that are going through transition. And so, um, I, I, my, so right when I found out that I was having my twins, so I have little twins right when I found out I was pregnant with my twins. I found out my husband had brain cancer, like at the same exact time. And so it was like insane time of unexpected changes. So like, Oh, we're not just having one baby. We're having two babies. And then my husband has this diagnosis that we have no idea what this even means or look, what does our future look like? Yeah. And, um, there's all these crazy, crazy things going on at the same time. And it was so overwhelming, but I remember thinking at the time, well, We have our trust in place and we have the power of attorney documents in place. And we, I know where every account is and I know how to manage all this stuff if I need to. And I know about all the insurance policies and I know about like that financial piece was a non-issue. It was like, it was a consideration, but I didn't have to worry about it because I knew we had done what we needed to do financially to weather this. And um, I knew that I can manage whatever happens going forward. I I could totally handle this. I mean, it's my job to do this kind of stuff. So like, obviously I'm, I'm comfortable with that. And I remember feeling really fortunate about that, even though we were in this extremely unfortunate situation, but I remember thinking this could be so much worse. I could be worried about how are my kids and I going to live if something happens to their dad or like how I, I, it it just could be, it could be so much more stress. And we were under plenty of stress. And I just felt like, I just felt fortunate, which was, it was kind of like a a weird sensation to have at the time. Um, And once we kind of, got through the the crazy the craziness and the kids were born and he went through treatment and he was doing better i really wanted to be able to help other women who were in a similar situation and whether it's someone sick or whether someone passes away or they're divorced or anything that causes a lot of emotional turmoil and there's a financial element to that my goal is to just like take that piece Off, Like this is one less thing you have to worry about. And that was something that like going forward, this is what I want to do. And that's why I ended up going into that niche. And my husband is actually, um, stable, like he's fine. He's still working, which is really, uh, he really defies the odds with his, (laughs) his particular type of cancer, but he's in a good situation right now, it's, it's never, he's never out of the woods, not with that type of cancer, but, um, he's, he's like doing well right now. And so I, that was a huge relief, but I was like, well, I still, it's really important to me to be able to use that experience to help others
1: that are, that are in some sort of similar circumstances. And I'm sure that wisdom and that being able to look at it from that perspective really helps. You to empathize with people and and to know just how good it's going to be for them when they get all this stuff. Totally becomes a non-issue, like you said. Yeah. Just how the, old the are you twins now?
0: They are three and a half.
1: Cool. They are crazy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> They're not home now. Obviously, you, you would be able to hear them if they were around.
1: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us and sharing all of that. I know that, like I said, I haven't gone through this with my mom after my dad passed. And, you know, like I said, they, they had time to prepare. They were not young people when this all happened and they really thought that they were already prepared, you know, the stuff that can even, she had to cancel her cable because they wouldn't let her have cable in her name. I mean, it's just like weird stuff that just, he, he happened to be the one that set up the electric account that you can't just transfer it into another person's name, even though they have the same last name as you and stuff. I mean, it's just, it's, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be allowed.
0: (laughs) I know. I know. I wish there was some sort of like manual that was handed out to everyone. It's at certain times in your life, like these are things that you have to do and this is how you fix this. And it's just figure out who's
1: going to die first and then make sure that the other person is the one who gets the electric bill in their name. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's, it's,
0: it's complicated. Life is really complicated, and it can uh, it can change course at the drop of a hat, and so it can get more complicated. But <laughs> <laughs> that's what people like me are here for. Help <laughs> exactly, I'll exactly. Detangle the big mess. Marito,
1: What's the best way for people to reach you?
0: Um. So if you go to my website, I have um. I've, I offer free consultations. Um via zoom and so if you go to my website there's a there's buttons all over the place that say book a <laughs> consult. Um so that's a great way to get a hold of me my my website is trueworthfp.com f is in frank p is in paul um i'm also on social media so i'm on instagram it's at trueworthfp. fp i'm on facebook i'm on linkedin i would say website or instagram is probably the best way to get a hold of me but i'm super happy to chat with anyone you know, I'm, even if it ends up not being a great fit for whatever reason, I'm always happy to, to toss
1: out some free little tidbits and point you in the right direction. Perfect. Excellent. And we'll put all those links in the show notes so that you can reach out and at at the very least take advantage of Rachel's generous offer to have a free consultation because you don't know what you don't know. Right, Rachel? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. All right. So this is an excellent time to share this episode with a friend who you know could be in this situation. Any person who might someday be single, which is all of us, or someone who's single right now, which is the rest of us. So So please remember to subscribe and share, and we'll see you next week.